morning. This morning, we continue the resurrection story in the Gospel of John, starting in verse, chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood along among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other's disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nail in his hand, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in the side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you've heard this scripture before, you know that it's often referred to as doubting Thomas. Thomas cannot believe that the Lord has risen from the dead unless he sees proof for himself. Even though we can learn a lot from Thomas's experience and maybe we relate to him, I don't think that as a whole, that's what this scripture is truly about. And I see that in the very last verse that reads, These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Let me try to paint a picture for you. In November and December of 2020, Mike and I started to search for houses close enough that were easy drive to the Kirk. We spent a lot of time on Zillow, like you do, looking at the size of backyards and the color of kitchen cabinets and trying to picture our family growing into the different spaces. We found one that we really loved in Rochester Hills. And once we moved in, we spent some time changing out the carpet in a couple of rooms, painting some walls, and decorating in a way that made us feel comfortable in the space. In fact, the work on our house never actually seems to stop. But one day, not long after we moved in, we were driving around downtown, 
some of you may know who live in Rochester Hills, but we saw a sign with the town slogan that said, Rochester Hills, where you live. Now, honestly, Mike and I joke about that slogan a lot because when it's taken literally, it is humorous because it is where we physically live. But what I know the creators of this slogan intended is that it's a place where you really live, not just reside. You take bike rides along the Clinton River Trail and you explore local shops on Main Street. You meet neighbors at community events and you celebrate town traditions together. You build your foundation and then you go out and you live. In all of our homes, most of our homes, I would say, we have spaces that we feel most comfortable in. And we also have spaces where we close the door when visitors come over. For our faith, we have favorite parts of scripture. We spend time with them, we talk about them, they're kind of our foundations. But then there are some questions and some doubts that we choose not to share for fear of judgment. But what would it look like if we all waited for our faith to be perfect before we lived it? I imagine it would look a lot like the disciples in this scripture passage, hiding in a locked room, afraid of the physical and emotional pain they may experience if they leave it. I can't imagine that that is the life that Jesus' resurrection calls us to. This day in the Christian year is often referred to as Low Sunday. Not only is it lower attendance than Easter Sunday, but it often feels like a low after the big celebration of Easter. Everything was big and special last week, from all of the people and the pews to the incredible music that filled the chancel, which rightfully so. It's the rebirthday of Jesus, and it is a reason to celebrate. But it doesn't mean that the weeks after have to feel like a low. Scripture doesn't stop after the 10th verse of chapter 20, the resurrection. It continues for 30 verses. And then it continues for all of chapter 21, and the book of Acts, and then all of the letters to various churches that follow. Believing in the resurrection is an essential part of our faith. We should wrestle with it constantly. It's the foundation. And from that foundation, we are called to go out into the world and live lives of faith, learning along the way how to let the Spirit guide us. I would say that every single person in this church is here today because some other imperfect Christian with imperfect faith chose to live a life in Jesus' name and invited us into it. Who was that for you? For me, it was a collection of people. My parents who brought me to a church as a child where I felt accepted. The members of that congregation who treated me with kindness and they met me with grace when I made mistakes. My best friend in high school who was the most loving and giving person because of her faith and who invited me into her own faith community. Was there someone in your life who made you think, there's something different there. I want to be a part of whatever that is. This is how we get to see proof of the resurrected Jesus. 
We didn't get to touch the scars on Jesus' hand, but we get to feel his love through the many disciples in this world. And we can be that example of Jesus for others. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to have life in Jesus' name? Well, theologian Karl Barth says it perfectly when he says, Jesus does not give recipes that show the way to God as other teachers of religion do. He himself is the way. Life in Jesus' name doesn't mean we follow a list of rules to a T. Life in Jesus' name means that we watch, we listen, and hear the incredible ways Jesus breaks into our world, shattering it with the most profound acts of love, and allow that to change us. You respond then, out of love and out of awe, of what Jesus has done, rather than a desire to prove ourselves worthy or earn our salvation. When it becomes about us in that way, we often get it wrong as humans have throughout all of history. Because reading scripture, we expected Jesus to bring peace through domination. He brought peace through sacrifice so that we may have life in Jesus' name. We knew of love to be transactional. Jesus loves unconditionally so that we may have life in Jesus' name. We expected a worldly rise to power. Instead, Jesus showed us humility so that we may have life in Jesus' name. We expect love and salvation for only the deserving, and Jesus offers love to everyone so that we may have life in Jesus' name. These stories are written so that we may have life in Jesus' name, so that we may know true life as it was intended. Can you imagine a world where each person looked out for one another with these examples from Jesus? with sacrifice, unconditional love, and humility. So many of the interpersonal issues come from us wanting to prove ourselves as greater than one another, and we're taught to look out for ourselves because no one is going to look out for us. We then come to believe that our opinions are superior to others, and we fight with one another instead of listen to one another. We worry about money over generosity because no one will be there to help us if we run out. The world becomes broken and scary. But then take a look at the ways that you do respond to God's love in this community, this small corner of the world here. I've seen you all give your time and your money generously to people experiencing homelessness or loss. I've seen you interrupt your busy and normal lives to show up at people's homes when they need you or when they're grieving. And through these responses to God's love, I see a glimpse of real life, unity, connectedness, peace. And obviously, it's not realistic to expect all of that from every person who lives in the world but it must be worth trying if Jesus sacrificed his life so that we may have it. It can be difficult to respond to Jesus' example in a way that mirrors him 
or to understand his actions fully to begin with. Jesus' disciples experienced many of these things firsthand, and they still struggled to understand. But that's where we find hope in Scripture. Jesus somehow gets through the locked doors where the disciples were hiding. Just like Jesus is present in our lives even when we doubt, even when we hide. He even appears to the disciples three different times after the resurrection, before they all believed. And through this, that we know that God chooses to enter our lives without indignation, without judgment. He meets us in our fear and our pain. He asks us to reach out and touch his scars. And when we start to see that Jesus' resurrection was real and was powerful, then he calls us to live in his name. People need assurance that Jesus is real, just how we work as humans, like the disciples did, like Thomas did. And by living life with Jesus as the guide through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to use our foundation of faith to help the world believe, one person at a time, even though we haven't seen. So what appears to be a story of human doubt is really a story of God's love. Jesus gives us what we need when we need it, and Jesus shows us what it means to live a life of love. But he doesn't expect perfection. When we truly grasp what his death and his resurrection means for our lives, we're called to respond out of gratefulness instead of out of obligation. The celebration of Easter has only just begun. Jesus is alive. And this is the part where you live. Amen.